coming. Um, can I get a just show of hands of those of you who are in the CBD business? Okay, all right, very good. And those of you who are here spectating, learning, gathering information, possibly going to be using it yourselves. Woohoo! Okay, great. Well, I think that we have a fascinating topic. I think that it could get very technical. And so my goal today is to provide um, a little bit of um, guidance for clarifying some of the medical terminology, um, anything that might have to do with our biology that is like really up here. Um, my hope is that we all walk away, myself included, with a little bit more clarity around what are the immunolo immunological effects of CBD um, and what does that really mean? So we're gonna go down the line first here and we're gonna have the panelists introduce themselves. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you found yourself in the CBD business. I know you are all in some way tied to the business itself, um, but we have a number of doctors on this board as well who have very deep backgrounds with the science. So let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. Go ahead, we'll start with Jenny. Hi, I'm Dr. Jenny. I'm with Age Vital Pharmacy Research and Wellness. I'm a clinical research associate, doctor of natural medicine, and a biochemist. I own pharmacies, research facilities, biotech uh, facilities, human outsourcing facilities, so 503B pharmaceutical compounding, so uh, specific uh, pharmaceuticals, patient-specific for doctors. So doctors, for example, if someone has an allergy to a commercially available drug, I make that commercially available drug into a less toxic commercially available drug like, um, for example, I can make topical Adderall for children. It's a cream as opposed to going into the gut. I can make a topical cream that just is applied to the back of the neck to help uh, control the brainstem and all the trigeminal nerve endings or the ADD, ADHD. Um, and I got into the industry about seven years ago when one of my colleagues um, was calling me and we did mission work together. He's a neurologist and he's also an um, astrophysicist. It's a pretty amazing guy. He's in Sarasota. His name is Dr. Ong Din. And uh, he calls me and says, Dr. Jen, I have something for you and I, I, I want you to test it for me. And I said, what? He's like, but I want to come and I want to bring it to you. I don't want to talk about it over the phone. I was like, Ron, you're scaring me. What are you talking about? The first rule. Yeah, the first <laughs> and he's like, well, he's like, well, I, I'm not certain. He's like, but I know if someone's going to break it down for me, I, it's going to be you because you're just as passionate as I am. And I said, okay. So he comes and he's got this bag of cannabis. And I said, Ron, what's that? I was like, you know we're regulated by the FDA, the DEA, Board of Pharmacy and Board of Medicine, right? We don't want to go to prison. What is that? Well, what if I told you it's hemp? I was like, well, we both know it's the exact same thing. So just give me that, you know, uh, certificate showing me that you have, it came from an actual hemp farm. So he gave it to me. And so I start, you know, doing the gas and liquid uh, chromatography, breaking down all the molecules and isolating specific molecules. And I call him about three weeks later. I said, Ron, I said, I'm very angry. I said, this is... This, what we're gonna do with this is unbelievable. I said, we've been lied to. I said, there's essential fatty acids in this plant. He's like, you're, get out, get out of town. I said, this is a whole food. This is a power plant. This is like mangoes, this is like dates, this is like honey, this is like milk. I said, people can live and eat cannabis like a salad. I was like, let's study it, let's start doing it. So we started doing all of the clinical research on neuropsychiatric disorders and got 197 patents for different disorders internationally. So we got issued international patents to make the, uh, novel technologies for cannabinoids. And after that, I mean, you couldn't stop me. And then I personally was using it, you know, for my autoimmune disorders and for my migraines. And it just became like a, a personal thing for me. I'm like, no, I'm going to put every child on this for ADD because our children are not Adderall deficient. They're not Xanax deficient. They're not, people aren't Viagra deficient or Crestor or Fosamax. So I'm going to, uh, you know, get people off of these toxic pharmaceuticals and not be part of this allopathic community that just wants to do more harm than good. So, in a nutshell, Reader's Digest version. <laughs> Word on the street is that Jenny doesn't sleep and that she has three clones of herself <laughs> to be able to do what she does. Go ahead. Um, my name is Len May. I am the CEO and co-founder of Endocana Health. Uh, before I start, I just want to say I've been in the industry 26 years and I really don't take this for granted. Having an opportunity to talk about cannabis in 2018 and having you know, started this many, many years ago, I really welcome the opportunity that we had because many years ago we wouldn't be able to have this opportunity. So 
everybody here who actually made time to come here and listen and share. I think everybody should commend yourselves and give yourselves a round of applause for dedicating your time to cannabis. I think it's a major, major thing that we're on the verge of doing some amazing things with these great panelists that I'm honored to be with. So give yourselves a round of applause first. Thank you. So I started as a patient. I have ADD and I was diagnosed as a early teens and I was given prescription medication and all of it really sucked. Some of it worked, but all of it really made me feel numb until I discovered cannabis for myself as my medicine. And having gone through this industry, I was the president of the Cannabis Action Network as an activist. Uh, then uh, moving to California and Los Angeles, I thought that the best way to get in the cannabis space was to be in the dispensary space, so I did that. I had five dispensaries, we had a cultivation facility, uh, we had delivery service, did all those things. But my passion is medicine. And one of the things that I started learning in uh, doing genetic sequencing of, of the actual plant is the cannabis is really a personal experience. And if you look at all the different components of cannabis, not just isolating CBD, and that's what we're talking about here, it does work with your own DNA. So we have a company that we started uh, called Endocana Health, and uh, think of us as sort of the, the GPS of cannabis. So we swab the inside of your mouth, you send it over to our lab, uh, we'll genetically sequence your DNA, and we'll give you a profile that aligns with your uh, genetic profile with what type of ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes are more optimal for you. Also look at your metabolic function. These are all different guides that are important in your cannabis journey. So if somebody has uh, you know, I think most people here know that we produce our own endogenous endocannabinoids. We know that when there's a deficiency, our body communicates to us, our immune system uh, expresses an inflammation that, and that sends a signal of pain and discomfort. So we need to be able to, as Dr. Jenny was telling me earlier, you know, create homeostasis, get that balance, right? So we were lucky enough that we found this amazing plant and we have receptors and, you know, and they, they uh, work with those receptor sites. But to be able to know what is right for somebody versus what is, uh, what is just a blanket kind of uh, uh, protocol to consume, that is an individual experience, and that is what we're passionate about, is creating a personalized uh, experience for somebody to mitigate the expression of a negative gene, like somebody's prone to anxiety. One of the things I hear all the time, you know, CBD is good for anxiety, or I get anxiety when I consume other cannabinoids. Well, yeah, but it, it depends if you're adding, uh, you know, THC can exacerbate that. Same with different terpene profiles, like limonene. So anyway, what we're trying to do, or what we're doing, is creating that kind of ways of cannabis to give you a guide on how to consume that uh, in a more individual basis. That was awesome. We should come back to the genetics piece of that and uh, personalizing CBD. Connie? I am so humbled, let me tell you, to be here. It's a great opportunity. Um, my name is Connie McLaughlin-Miley. I'm a doctor of pharmacy, and I, I also did my MBA in health policy a few years back. Um, I spent the lion's share of my career, which is 25 years, in the, as a little bit of a square peg in a round hole in the biopharmaceutical industry. And in that industry, I was responsible in my various uh, manifestations and various organizations for something called evidence-based medicine, uh, as well as health economics and outcomes research, which is built on top of clinical research. So through that journey, um, research is, is, has been something that's always been very important to me and it's really the science that brought me to the, the cannabis environment because I saw it as you know you hear this and you hear that and it's just all a lot of you know arm waving but then when you stop and really look and dig I said to myself there's something here this is real so that is really what brought me into the environment um, I've lived in various parts of the country. Currently, I live in California on the Central Coast, which is more or less the mecca of THC, is it not? Uh, and so, and so, you know, cannabidiol is really 
incredibly important. And I think that, I, I can't speak for all Californians for sure, but I think that there's gonna be an awakening that, that emerges pretty soon with you know, the understanding, kind of the broadening and opening up of this whole cannabis sativa spectrum that we've got from mm. hemp 0.3% or less than to, which is such an artificial threshold that that's gotta go. We gotta figure out how to get rid of that one because THC really is important therapeutically appropriate at appropriate times for appropriate conditions i believe so so the way how do, how, how does a you know midwestern gal um <laughs> get her feet wet in in the in the cannabis arena um in california and and that was really the only way that i saw at the time was to engage with patients as a clinician and so i dug into the science and i did that and then i found that um i was you know, embraced by the medical community because they were looking for someone with some background and training in the in the area. Well, I was scrambling and reading and doing and learning every step of the way, and have and continue to do so. And that's what's so exciting about this arena is that it is just a blank slate, and we are learning every single day. You know, I pop in my 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 email, and and a new study will come out that that's always fascinating. So. Um, as a holistic clinician, so I've been working with patients for the last, you know, four or five years. Um, uh, so I'm really interested, Connie, to come back to you yeah. on the topic of um, uh, drug interactions. Oh, sure. I know that you've got a lot of research with... I've got some opinions on that. Okay, let's Absolutely. come back to your opinions on that. Good, that's should we, a great should we, topic. Should we go sure. to Bomi and his bio yeah. and then we can yeah, I'll, dive I'll into up. the meat? Just basically that that's my, my mantra is providing safe um, yeah. customized, understandable education and formulations for patients um, because, um, you know, that, that's really uh, where we are. And, and my advocacy is opioid harm reduction. I really want to go there. Okay, so. cool. Hi. I'm glad you guys were able to join us. I'm um, Dr. Bomi Joseph, and I work for Peak Health in California. And I'm trying to figure out how to see. What we do is we are in the business of health, okay? And if we could keep you, we want to keep you very healthy. And if we did that, we'd put the medical establishment out of business, right? So health is kind of diametrically opposite to disease. And if you look at a whole establishment, it's actually geared very much around treating diseases. And one of the, so one of the simplest things we do is basically we came up with a way to measure your health. And it's fairly psychological, right? So what happens to most of us is we do things that disrupt our endocrine systems. We do things early in our age. We just look good when we're young, right? So we don't know we're doing it. But we go 15, 20, 30, 40 years, and then this thing blows up in our face, right? And then we're like, oh crap. So then we head to the hospital, go to see a doctor. And by this time, they tell us we've got diabetes, we got this, we got we get put on a drug, and now we're chronically on that drug, and then there are the side effects. So then, guess what? More drugs, right? So we haven't released this product yet. We have a scale that you stand on. It looks like a regular scale, but it's not a regular scale because there's a lot more stuff in its guts, and it comes and gives you, it measures you 36 different ways, and comes and gives you a score of your health. Now, I'll give you a, a quick example. I usually eat a very kind of like simple breakfast every day, right? It's a low-calorie diet. Most people go and have a high-calorie whatever, high-protein whatever. This is essentially a very low-calorie uh, snack. And the only way you can make it low-calorie is by having lots of nuts and grain and dried fruits, etc. So I measure my health, and it's 78 out of 100. And then I go have the snack, etc. And then, of course, there's inflammation. Your stomach's digesting it, right? So there's some change. It picks it up. So now I'm at 73. And a couple of weekends ago, I went on a Sunday, and I went and had it to this coffee shop. I had mocha. I had muffins. I had, I mean, I just picked out. I said, it's Sunday. What the heck? I'm just going to go crazy. I just went and ate a whole bunch of junk food. And then I came back, and I said, should I measure or not, right? I measured. And guess what I was? 58. 
And psychologically what it did is basically just turn me, turn me off from that place. I just, every time I drive by and I look at that place and said, oh heck, it had this effect on me and I don't feel like going there, right? So the other thing is we have a connection to the back engine. It's an AI engine. So what we've done is, and we've got like hundreds of thousands of people, people's worth of data in there, it accelerates stuff. So whatever's happening, we measure you, measure you, seeing changes in your body, and then you can go and slide the scale and say, okay, what's going to happen to me? What do I look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now? And it actually tells you, okay, your risk of this, 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 this goes up, right? And we also, in, in this particular thing, if we don't diagnose you or do anything, but if we suspect that your liver or your heart, et cetera, doesn't look that great, we come and kind of like a little give you a ding and say, I think you should go and get this checked, right? So we tell you to go see a doctor early. Now, how does it tie into all this stuff? One of, the, one of the stuff we have is a phytoceutical division, a phytoceutical division. And we've been doing this for a long time. My family's been in the phytoceutical business since 1832. And we have about, right now, about 72 different molecules we're studying, right? Um, and about five years ago, we got introduced to CBD. And for me, it's just another another one, another phyto, a phyto compound. So my world doesn't revolve around CBD, uh, but what CBD did was actually introduce me to the endocannabinoid system, which is a vast, it's, it's to tell you that when I look at that system, I see the galaxy. I'm not exaggerating, right? So I see the galaxy, and so we pick on THC and CBD, and we pick on CB1 and CB2, and we talk a lot about it. And I can tell you, this is just not even, to say we're scratching the tip of the iceberg, we're not, we're not even there. I mean, we, we know so little, right? So, um, but what I've actually seen is that a lot of other phytocompounds are having all sorts of interactions with this endocannabinoid system, right? I mean, things that don't affect CB1 and CB2 are affecting you know, TPV and A, TPV1, by the way, there are more than a thousand of these receptors. Okay, we talk about two. Hmm. So it's this vast world that I'm, I'm sort of, I just I sort of look at my belly when I do this, it's in here in me. It's this fascinating whole world. Um, and, and I'm telling you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited, I'm, I'm pretty interested in it, but more than the CBD, it's the endocannabinoid system that excites me. Right. I don't believe that CBD is the only thing that's going to solve everything. It's one important link, right? So it's a million steps we have to take. I think we've another one step forward. Actually, could you tell us a little, little bit about, in, like, briefly, if it's possible, to just what's the 101 endocannabinoid system and immunology, the immune system? What is the, just the, the general basic science behind that? All right, uh, so I think the simplest way I can explain it is this. The immune system is, is meant to attack invaders in our body. So typically what happens is you have a, a foreign body attack, and it's usually a bacteria or a virus or something come in. And so our immune system goes and detects it, right? Figures out how to attack it, mm -hmm. sends a signal back, and then a whole bunch of antibodies are made. Either we already have it, and then boom, we're right there. Or we make it and this huge cascading, you know, wave of like antibodies come and slam the thing and kill it. And then our body produces these checkpoint proteins that tells our immune system, right? Because now you have a billions of nukes floating around you and, <laughs> and they've got to get calmed down. So these checkpoint proteins get released and, and that tells the immune system essentially all these antibodies to commit suicide, right? Apoptosis, mm -hmm. boom, 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 they get released. Now, remember, all the stuff needs to be transported, right? I mean, these, these, the, these, these you know, antibodies have to be taken to the site. The attack has to happen. The inflammation, the dead cells, all the garbage has to be removed, right? right. So there are all these involuntary muscles. There are all these, like, there's a whole system that we never talk about. But it's this, what I call, like, you go to war, right? The, the big part of going to war is this logistics, the transport. To, we never talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. But that is very important. So the logistics of this whole stuff is the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. That's what actually makes all this stuff happen, right, in a, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. um, what? 
I had a couple questions pop up there as you were talking. Um, hey, Connie, I think you might be a good person for this question. Um, so, the, so CBD is known to have an immune suppressing effect. Okay, so how does it work if say I have, all right, I'm gonna ask a really stupid question here, but if I have a cold, is it something that I shouldn't be taking when I have a cold versus when I have an infection versus when, how does, what does that, is suppressing mean, is it the same thing as uh, something that, it, does it make it? So, so on the surface, basically you think, well, okay, it, it's got cannabinoids, and not only CBD. The microphone. microphone. Oh, yeah, you're oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Thank you. Not only CBD has a supposed anti-infective or antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, I'll just call it antimicrobial effect. The other cannabinoids are kind of <laughs> touted to be the same. Well, I think there's some research that's ongoing in that, and I think the jury's out on that a little bit. So is there an anti-infective type of a, mm -hmm. a, an effect in, in conjunction with having an anti inflammatory or an impact on the immune system, a tamp tamping down of the immune system. And I, I think that, that really the way that it plays out is that the endocannabinoid system in CBD has a certain associated neurotransmitter cascade that okay. goes with it. And those neurotransmitters are really what communicate to the machinery of the immune system and, 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 and suggest basically what the response should be, whether it should be an adaptogenic kind of up or down, mm -hmm. modulates homeostasis. Feel free to jump in if anybody else yeah. has anything to add to that. Yeah, and, sure. and then also it also is like the magnitude of that response. What happens, you know? So that's yeah, what it controls. Just to piggyback, exactly right. Modulates. So <clears throat> it's postsynaptically it gets the messages and it co comes back presynaptically. So Endocannabinoids learn from your body what the body needs, come back and modulate. So your immune response is inflammation. Mm -hmm. If you need to address inflammation, and your, uh, then you need to suppress your immune system from doing that. If you have a condition that is associated with a lower immune system already, like an HIV virus, for instance, that may not be the right type of approach for you. So. The other endocannabinoid, the other cannabinoids, the phytocannabinoids that you consume, your endocannabinoid system will modulate those phytocannabinoids in order to get you the right ratio of what you need to address the condition that you currently have. And I wanted to add to it because I work closely with infectious disease in the entire country. One of my best friends is Dr. Vilma Vega, and she is the authority for the entire country. That's who the president calls when there's a Zika outbreak. And a lot of my clinical research, you know, right now is showing like someone that's not a candidate for THC, for example, THC with herpes zoster, herpes simplex, where there's 15 different strains of this. You know, the most common being the simplex on on the lips. So you have simplex one and two, and then you have zoster one and two with, with the genitals. And 88 percent of the population population currently has the simplex. That's a horrifying stat. And you have 67% right now that have uh, the genital herpes. And that's because they're deficient in certain types of cannabinoids that are not, you know, because I, I describe the endocannabinoid system as the metabolic uh, conductor. So somebody that is in control of this metabolic orchestra, the symphony, you know, and when there is not a conductor there, this drill sergeant that tells everybody else how to function, how to modulate properly without this conductor, certain enzymatic reactions can't happen in the gut, can't happen neurologically. Um, and that's what's happening, you know, immuno immunologically with the CB2 receptor being in the gut when you have certain types of viruses, THC exasperates it and actually makes the breakouts more aggressive. And I've seen this with a lot of my AIDS patients when I'm consulting for CAN Community AIDS Networks, someone taking a THC product because they were sent to a dispensary and they have the most aggressive outbreak that they've ever had or they have, you know, the most aggressive in the face. So th there's a prime example as just because something's natural doesn't mean it does not have the propensity for abuse. CBD, on the other hand, is antimicrobial. So it actually helps increase the immune system while THC suppresses the immune system slightly. But, you know, there's clinical applications for certain types of people with autoimmune disorders or for somebody that needs to have hunger being induced in the gut, right? And it all has to do with the human microbiome and certain enzymes being in the gut. So other people, you know, that 
where it's contraindicated to have THC, somebody you know that has neuropsychiatric disorders, say that has like um, uh, paranoia or that has multiple personality disorders, it ac actually overstimulates their neurological functions. It's like spark plugs. It's like having a bunch of green lights going off neurologically, where it's like, oh my gosh, too many green lights it's, on the road in the it, highway is a bad thing. But CBD countermodulates a negative effect. So it's all about homeostasis when it comes to cannabinoids. And like he was saying, testing, that's the way of the future. And like Honey was saying, it has to be customized per individual because everybody is biochemically unique, right? It's not cookie cutter. <laughs> just to clarify, did uh -huh. you just say that the THC exasperates? Yes, THC, you, it'll have some immunosuppressant. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Properties when certain viruses are present in the system. Now, not everybody has those viruses present in the system. So it has to be customized. I give CBD to my children when they have fevers and their fevers go away. I give 50 to 60 milligrams even to my four-year-old. If she, if she has a temperature, I give CBD with probiotics and a vitamin C chew. I'll even put it in one blend. That cold's within two days, that cold is gone. My goodness, after Thanksgiving, for example, I got salmonella from having Brussels sprouts. Go figure, oh my gosh. I'm like, no wonder people die. And if it wasn't for my <laughs> cannabinoids, my gut, I thought my gut, someone lit my gut on fire and I looked like I was six months pregnant. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm thinking other people were getting the E. coli and they were just debilitating, projectile vomiting and things. But I went and had it and my symptoms were so minimal because I took cannabinoids. I took high dose, 200 milligrams of CBD with probiotics and with L-glutamine, but it modulated the benefits of, it acts mm. like a prebiotic mm. to the microbiome system. So that it's like sense. an energy producer for these intestinal bees, I call them. Our little critters Bomi, that protect you our immune system something? too. Yeah, I, I just want to clarify something. So, <clears throat> I think the the initial she she said she she actually I want, I'm just trying to put the different. I saw your confusion. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just trying to really clarify it. I represent the confusion of the, the audience. <laughs> no, you were like, huh? so it it the the thing I commonly hear about is that CBD suppresses the immune system. Right. And I want to I wanna sort of clarify something. It doesn't necessarily suppress the immune system. One of the common things about the immune system that you readily see, like fever, whatever, is swelling. Okay. All right? So it's an antagonist to the CB2 receptor against swelling. Mm -hmm. okay. And this is where I, I, I want, I, I mean, like this analogy I used this morning also, you have this guitar with a thousand frets, mm -hmm. with a hundred strings, and if you just take one fret and one string and go ting, 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 that doesn't give you the totality of this instrument. Mm -hmm. So when you pick on that particular thing that's quite common, I see a lot of papers written because it's an easy thing to write about. 50 people have written about that paper before, so I'm just gonna write another one. To venture out and do something new that nobody else has done, that's what takes money and guts and chutzpah, mm -hmm. right? You're a pioneer. So. This thing about it, it suppresses the swelling of that signal in the immune system. But if you have an underactive immune system or you know, some other thing, in a different organ, in a different spot in your, in your thing, it doesn't necessarily, it would boost it up. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly what I'm saying. You, 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 to just blanket make a statement, it's confused. I saw the look of confusion in your face because sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Which, well, if I'm playing that instrument, depending upon which chord and which fret and which string I'm hitting, I get a completely different tone. So this is where we get to the personalization that I think you guys are all kind of starting to hint at is um, how do we start to, as an industry, how do we start to educate the public and empower people so that they know what they can, where they can start to, to personalize, to figure out, okay, is this some, is it in my kidney that I have to think about this certain thing happening or is, what is my CB1 again? Or, you know, like how can we start to break, to break that down and start providing the language that is easy to digest or is that even possible? Anyone? I don't think we're there really with the science quite yet, quite frankly. I, I think that we're making advances. We're trying really hard. But in a discussion earlier, I think there's probably a hundred years worth of research to do to really be, or who knows, that's a kind are of arbitrary Are we able number. to do research in the U.S. right now? We are. Yeah. Human, human clinical trials? We're, we're doing six clinical trials in Australia right now. and. 
You're right. We absolutely need more research, but there's over 15,000 articles in PubMed alone on the endocannabinoid system. So there is research. There's research outside the U.S., in Israel, in Canada, Australia. We know what cannabinoids do. Do we need more human trials? Absolutely. I mean, we. it's open to big pharma companies to start doing that, as GW Pharma did, but... You know, the government needs to open up uh, real trials for us here, and the conditions that they have in order to do trials, in order to get the cannabis from Mississippi that really isn't at all the type of cannabis you can get in any dispensary, doesn't really make any sense to begin with. But to go back to your question, we, there is a way to be able to create a guide. So, you know, we, we you know, I'm not, here to promote my company or but your your genetics do play a role that is your initial roadmap so that'll tell you what type of things you may want to avoid and if you want to if you want to consume something and you know that it may exacerbate your um, anxiety or paranoia or a psychotic state and you know this that, that may happen because your gene will be triggered to express that you may want to avoid that and the more positive experience that people have with cannabinoids the better chance we have to remove this ridiculous stigma and move forward and do real human trials so starting with your genetic expression understanding that it's not just hey I want to address something that's in my liver I want to address something I have a pain here it's about your endocannabinoid system so it's not just hitting I have something here it's being able to take the right type of ratio all the different molecules and ingest them in your body so you can create that kind of balance in homeostasis and don't forget it's not just cannabinoids you also have terpenes and they work together uh, synergistically to create a certain response and if you're consuming the wrong ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes that can exacerbate some of these conditions as well so you're your endocannabinoid system is really intelligent. The cannabinoids, the endogenous endocannabinoids, they actually go and they communicate back and forth. So getting that right ratio and mitigating the expression and optimizing your genetic uh, profile with cannabinoids, that's more or less a personalized experience. One more thing I want to add in here, and you guys can talk about that. Um, we've seen, uh, we have... 14 patents and we've seen thousands of patients we have a full uh, database when I say patients I'm not a doctor but we work with doctors all over the world we're a global company and the information that we get is you know from from people that are consuming certain type of uh, cannabinoids with their prescription medication some that are having real negative effects because CBD acts as an uptake inhibitor. If people are saying, oh, you know, uh, I'm depressed or I'm taking my anti-anxiety medication, I'm going to get off and I'm taking that with CBD so I can get off of that, well, CBD will uh, reduce the efficacy of your prescription medications, some of them, a lot of different ones. So you have to be really, really careful in uh, including that into your protocol, speak to your healthcare professional to make sure that you're, uh, you know, consuming that correctly. So, what what should what should people be asking specifically their healthcare provider? We hear that a lot, and I'm sure we all on our packaging where you know, please discuss this with your healthcare provider. That's true. That's, that's right. Yeah. So, so, so they don't know. What? Right. So what? Okay. I was gonna add <laughs> something I, I, like that. It's we, okay we, to clap. Because yeah. okay. <laughs> we, we, we live in a country, unfortunately, because I speak internationally. I speak in Israel. I've spoken with Dr. Rafael Mashalom, and Israel has set the standards internationally. And I have visited over there and watched the pharmacies and watched the whole entire cannabis industry there. And they have the most amazing system where cannabinoids are prescriptions. A doctor can write a script for 10% THC, 100 milligrams of CBD on a script ad, and take it to the pharmacy for the patient, and it's customized. Or they can go to one of their dispensaries and buy a joint if they want to smoke it recreationally. That's the way it should be run. Just like we have, you know, over-the-counter vitamin C or over-the-counter ibuprofen and acetaminophen. And then you have the prescriptive ibuprofen and acetaminophen, correct? And you have the over-the-counter type of statins, the Reggie's rice, or you can go and get your Crest store. You can go and get, you know, something else. I'm a pharmacy owner. I have 15 in the country currently right now. Soon to be 100, I hope. But it is. We live in a country that is controlled by big pharma. In this country, they capitalize on the sick and 
and the unhealthy. They want you fat, obese, demented, uh, cancered, inflamed, and diabetic because it's a multi-billion dollar industry for them to keep you sick. They poison and pollute everything, our waters. They genetically modify our hormones. They give people substances that don't belong in our system, and I see it all the time. And they're doing that right now with our cannabinoids, and that is so dangerous. So, And doctors, our hands are tied. We're going in there because we do. We have the PBM networks. I became an insurance-free pharmacy about five years ago when I was sick of playing this allopathic, chasing my caterpillar you know, tail, this line of just watching my patients degenerate and get worse and worse and worse and worse. And one day I said, you know what? I'm a biochemist and I am going to just make customized you know, nutraceuticals, customized microbiome, customized cannabinoids, customized hormones, and actually get to the root cause of the ailments as opposed to just being part of this allopathic, here's the pink pill, the yellow pill, the purple pill, the that pill, band-aids for boo-boos, come back in six weeks because you'll have a longer list of side effects and benefits, right? And then we want you on that a year from now, you know, you'll be on your deathbed and we'll send you to a specialist that makes you feel worse, huh? You couldn't be more wrong. You're ranting there and you're beating up everybody in healthcare. No, 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 I'm not beating them up, nope. And I know, I worked for Axiom and I worked for Biotica. Yeah, we can talk afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Th that's why I said the doctor's hands are tied. Well, that's I, why most doctors are going concierge. Right. 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 right, right, right. Can I? Can I? Can, can I have that's, an that's a good. So you know, I, let me see I if I can. Let me see if I can sort oh, of empower people here. So if if excuse me, one second. So you know. So I don't. I don't want people to feel like we're all helpless and we're victims, right? So one of the things that's affecting. About about a hundred years ago, most of us were having problems with infectious diseases. So when we became doctors, we used to fame. And I'm 60 years old, so when I first actually became a physician, um, the kind of problems we, I saw was very different. Right? I used to see even now when I used to go to the islands, I go to tropical places, etc. You find diseases that we don't find here. The biggest problem that we find nowadays are what we call non-communicable diseases, NCDs, and they tend to be degenerative stuff. So when I step back and look at it, it's because, and you know, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at it, we unknowingly are being exposed, right, in this industrial age, we unknowingly are being exposed to more and more endocrine disrupting things, mm -hmm. right? We're getting tipped off, tipped off, tipped off, tipped off. We're, we're we're having things happen within us that, that the medical establishment, we don't understand, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'll give you a very simple example. We, around our organs, are supposed to have zero visceral fat. We can have subcutaneous fat. When winter comes, we put on a certain amount of subcutaneous fat to protect ourselves, but we're supposed to have zero visceral fat. So I've been measuring people, I started measuring athletes, you know, in 1986, and I've been measuring people for years. In the United States, it's very hard for me to find anybody with less than 2.6% visceral fat. And I can't explain it, right? I can't explain it other than there's some baseline stuff. Your liver is not supposed to be producing it. Now I go to other countries, and I see a lot of people with 0% visceral fat, right? So I, I, I see things happening here. Our, our sperm motility, sperm motility for men in the United States is atrociously bad. Right? And, and semen is, is, is something that gets affected very, very quickly. It's one of the early indicators. It's like the, the, the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. And we don't pay attention. By the way, I saw this in 1986, right? We, we were horsing around. We were young kids horsing around, et cetera. And I see this, you know, big football players, et cetera. I'm like, what the hell happened to you? Um, and we've not been, we've been sort of ignoring it. We just sort of like, you know, think it's not that big a deal, etc. But this is something that's been slowly happening, slowly happening, slowly happening. And we honestly don't really know what's going on, right? A lot of us are being, dare I say, polluted in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm fascinated with the endocrine, you know, the whole, the whole system. The system's being tipped off, right? And, and, and I see this all the time. I ask, people come to me and say, well, I'm taking all these supplements. And my simple question is, what are you lacking? Yeah. And they look at me blank and I go, what are you deficient? Wait, isn't it better for me to take something? You gotta remember something, nothing in the body is linear, nothing. Mm -hmm. Everything follows a normal distribution of bell curve. 
too little is bad for you, then there's an optimal level, and then too much is bad for you. Yeah. So just taking more and more and more of the supplement is actually going to make you sick. Yeah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Right? So if you are, the question was asked, what do I go and ask my physician, etc. The real thing is to try to figure out if something, what is actually causing the problem, yeah. the cause and effect. If you cannot figure out what's causing the problem, just putting some more shit, sorry, stuff in your body, right, is not going to help. It's only going to make it worse. So that's actually where I don't see where we don't take, we don't take the time, we don't have the patience. This country, everybody's in a big friggin' hurry, and everybody shows up thinking I can throw some money at the problem. The doctor's got, that's the biggest fallacy, the doctor's got the answer. No, we have to step back. Sometimes it takes time. It's like a detective. Right? You're like Sherlock Holmes. I can figure it out in one week. Sometimes it may take me two years. But we have to take the patience. We have to have the patience and time to figure out what the problem is. And we don't. Yeah. So it's like um, CBD is less of a, a, a moment in time. And it's like a whole health movement. This idea that if my doctor, this is the first time that I've ever heard of something where you can't ask a doctor, right? Everything's always, ask the doctor. And even now, you know, legally on our packaging, we're like, this is not our responsibility. Ask your doctor. And the doctor's like, I have no fucking clue what this is. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so I'm really curious about this idea of where do we where do we, how do we harness the movement if we are trying to empower people to really be knowledgeable about their own health and their own bodies and what steps they might be able to take to gain clarity around what it is that their body needs, what they might be deficient in, what might be overactive? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know that answer or where to start. I think it's very complex. I mean, it, right. it, 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 I, all, the whole arena has been opened up gets into all kinds of policy things, the communication level on the internet. I mean, it, it's inserted into every aspect of our daily life and into our health and into our awareness. And so where do we go? We, we, we get, I probably have to slow down. We have to slow down and listen to ourselves and to our bodies and, 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 and take a moment and prioritize that. So. I, I can, I'd like to <clears throat> kind of follow up on what we were talking about as far, I'm not a doctor, I'm the only non-doctor in this panel, but I do a lot of speaking engagements all over the world, and I was called in to speak to a group of surgeons, and uh, these surgeons really wanted to get in more to understand the business of the cannabis industry. So, created a PowerPoint presentation, came in, and was presenting to them, and I had two slides about the endocannabinoid system, just general slides. Click on one, say, oh, you guys, I'll just skip through all this stuff. Let me go back to uh, you know, how the business can work. And one of the surgeons goes, uh, can you go back to that? Mm -hmm. So I spent 45 minutes with a group of surgeons going over the endocannabinoid system. And it's not that the doctors don't want it learn. It's they were never taught that in medical school. They went to school more than 10 years ago. So it's our job as our own healthcare professionals, because we know our bodies better than anybody else, to educate ourselves enough that we can go back and have an intelligent conversation with our doctor. And if our doctor's not open-minded enough to learn, because they're all set in their ways, then maybe you got to look for another doctor. And having something that you can bring to a doctor and show them there's not enough research, this is, uh, you know, I've heard many people, all the dope and devil's lettuce and all that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't really make, devil's lettuce is romaine now, I think, right? <laughs> so so yeah. being able to understand and work in that relationship, you have to build a relationship with your healthcare professional. And if you see your healthcare professional is not open enough to understand new things that are on the market and how our bodies really work and they don't know what the endocannabinoid system is, either educate them or move on. We're actually coming to uh, the close of our time that we have in this room. I don't know if we're going to get kicked out or what, but I'd love to take some questions. I'm, I know that we have a couple hands that have gone up. Yep, yes? So I came to this uh, seminar today because it was on the immune system. Yep. So we haven't heard today at all that there's two types of immune system. There's the innate immune system and there's an adaptive immune system. Right. Those are two 
Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anybody have anything to add? That's a great question. That's wonderful. It's not just about CBD, though, because CBD is not a panacea. You know, it's a, it's so much more than that. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I think Yeah, no, you can't overdose on CBD. Yale University did that study back in 2006, and they actually discovered that 9% of the population was genetically predisposed to become addicted to THC. But CBD, like you were saying, bonds to all of the you know, uh, synaptic nerve endings. It acts almost like a fire charge to those nerve endings to make connections systemically in the body. So it's programmed to be super intelligent. So whoever that programmer is, right? Yes, yep. More than that. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to give you an example, so there's GRP55 that's found in every single cancer cell. CBD actually uh, is either an agonist or antagonist of that. We're not sure yet. So they're looking at it as a CB3 receptor site for CBD. Now, knowing that, there may be a way to start looking at how do we address if we know that we can turn that off agonist, antagonist, just for people to understand, on and off. If we know that we can turn that off, maybe there's a way that we can start targeting specific uh, type of uh, ratios and medication to address those cancer cells because we know that there's a receptor that's on every single cell that CBD uh, interacts with. So those are the things that we need to do a lot more research on, and that's why I'm saying there's a modulation that's involved in all the different endocannabinoids. I just have to really throw in briefly because I thought when you were talking about it that, that targeting and speci very specific things really kind of knocks on the door of synthetic cannabinoids. And I'd like to say just for a moment that I was thinking the other night that, that, that developing a synthetic cannabinoid targeted a certain target and having a triggering a cascade of events is not unlike bringing, you know, kudzu <laughs> and into the into a, an environment that you don't know what the effect is going to be that because i th i think we're in such the early days of understanding the eloquence and the beauty of our endocannabinoid system that has been um un unknown to us that 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 it's like throwing a grenade out there so we got to stay with can, can, I just, can I just add to that really, really quick? I'm sorry. Uh, but just, just, this is a really, really good indication. There's a Dr. David Miri, uh, Daddy Miri in Israel, who's doing a cancer study. And I was just uh, talking to him about his presentation, and he has all these different cancer cells, and uh, there's certain ratios of cannabinoids that are causing cell death in those. He said they discovered cannabinoids that they removed. They don't know what they are yet. When they remove them from the petri dish, they no longer have the same effect. So synthetically synthesizing one single molecule, it doesn't work. This, this compound has a lot of different uh, molecules to that that we don't even know yet. So I don't think that's going to be something that uh, you know, we can start synthesizing and creating in a lab. No, 
Absolutely yeah. not. We have a question in the... those that do. Just saying. GW... Yeah. The pharmaceutical route, you know, that's where that may go. Uh, uh, what, which molecule is curing epilepsy in children? It's helping attenuate the disease, CBD. CBD, so, so epidiolex is only one molecule? There's no THC in it whatsoever. It's synthetic. Exactly. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's curing children with epilepsy? Yeah, no, it's synthetic. It's, I, I had it in my slides in the last one. I, I put, I, I put the uh, biochemical, yeah. I'll pull it up after the no, conference. So, 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 so you can see the difference. Del, so epidiolex is a little, I don't, I don't want, that's a whole topic in itself, right? They claim that it's a natural molecule, but it shows all signs of a synthetic. Yeah. Yeah, because if you look at the label, it says, it, it, their own paper says that 80% of all the trial subjects had side effects, and the FDA made them put a big label on it. That's right, Dr. Bowman. Side effects, yeah. So, Dravet syndrome, yeah. So we have to, we better remember big pharma, in order to get patents, you can't get a patent on uh, naturally occurring molecules. So in order for them to get a patent, it has uh, to be GMO. It had to be synthetic. So when you have, uh, you know, a lot of them, like they have, you know, synthetic, you know, like synthroid as opposed to physiologic, or like bioidentical estrogen, they have synthetic estrogens, high fructose corn syrup, synthetic fructose, you know, folic acid, synthetic folate. So they GMO everything. Wow. So it's just about education. It's really knowing the biochemical makeup of the we body. Just have I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right there. I know. Because I've been like, I've gotten that a couple of times. I have one more question and then a really quick response and then feel free to filter yourselves out if you feel like it's irrelevant to you. But please feel free to, to well, maybe we'll talk outside as well if you guys wanna continue the conversation there. Go ahead. So um, I know Project CBD is a very, very broad knowledge base. They have uh, a library of studies. Um, they also have uh, content that they, they write and publish that are made to be understood by the layperson. So I think that's a great start. Do you guys know of any other? There's a couple other websites. Instead. Yeah, there's lots of books. PubMed and CBI, the, every single study that's PubMed. published is, is there and it's peer reviewed. So if you really want to look at a study, and then Project CBD does reference them and they do uh, write about them in lay terms, but those are the resources that I would recommend. Yeah. And there's lots of books too. If you email any of us, we have lists of different books internationally written by you know, biochemists and there's, there's geneticists probably a way and for pharmacists us to follow up. and doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you so much for your information.